The Ringer NBA show is brought to you by Yahoo Daily Fantasy. Yahoo Daily Fantasy coming out of All-Star Weekend hot. Every day they're running a zero management fee fantasy basketball contest. That means Yahoo is making nothing on this contest and equals better odds for you to win. One in five people who play will at least double their entry fee. Tired of playing against people with 150 entries? Well, there's a limit of 10 entries per person, so don't miss these contests. Go to yahoo.com slash daily fantasy to play. Use promo code Yahoo25 when you make your first deposit for $25 in free play. The Ringer NBA show is also brought to you by Turo. Turo is a peer-to-peer car sharing marketplace where you can book any car you want, wherever you want, from a community of local hosts. From exotic sports cars to practical daily drivers, you could choose the best car for you, whatever your budget. Download the Turo app, that's T-U-R-O, on the App Store or Google Play, or visit Turo.com. Get $25 off your first trip when you sign up for Turo and use promo code RINGER at checkout. Terms apply. Basketball is very good. The Wizards underpaid John Wall. AD should re-sign with the Pelicans. The Nets actually won the Celtics trade. Basketball is very good. Hello and welcome to the Ringer NBA show. This is the group chat. That's my young Barbaro impersonation there. (laughs) Yes. You like that? I was working on that one all day. Thank you very much. (laughs) (laughs) Group chat there. That's Haley O'Shaughnessy. Haley, you're supposed to say something. I'm sorry. I was still thinking about Malia Obama's boyfriend. (laughs) And that's Paolo Getty. What's up? Guys, we've been talking uh, a little bit before the show today because it's a big day in the universe, I would say. It's Luka Doncic's birthday. Can I say something controversial? I don't care. Like, what? What? We love birthdays here. We have to celebrate our 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 heroes. You know, I'm celebrating every basketball player. Who else is? We should see who else's birthday. Maybe it's like Ian Clark's birthday today as well. <laughs> well, we actually the social team at the Ringer put together like a doc of all the NBA birthdays, or at least they had one and they oh. shared it to me. So I shared it with Haley, and I was hoping oh, for well, I was hoping for some horoscopes on our favorite NBA uh, players. Oh, so yeah. This, so today is February twenty eighth. Mm-hmm. That makes him a Pisces. Okay. Yeah. Does that fit our guy Luca? Uh, I don't really know him well enough yet. Mm. Yeah. But what's like the the, the Pisces stereotype yeah, the is that you're like. In tune with your feelings and mm. you like to talk about feelings and you're sensitive and amicable. Mm. Mm-hmm. That sounds okay. like Luca. Yeah, I yeah. can see that. Haley was positing that Luca might not make a good match for Malia Obama before the show started. No, I said that they I, <laughs> oh, they I would be a good match because I realized he was 20 mm. and I remembered she was 20 mm-hmm. and it just made me think that maybe in some universe they could date. Mm-hmm. In a universe where know. you are only allowed to marry a very specific person of the same age. <laughs> I just remember that they were in the same age range, but she has a boyfriend who, according to classmates <laughs> and businessinsider.com, is quote unquote very popular. So, Bobby's like, yeah. I can't wait to cut everything you the, did. <laughs> no, we're, we're keeping all of this. So, on today's episode, we're going to talk a little bit about what's going to happen over the last monthish of the season. I think we have like a month plus. I think it goes into the first week or second week of April. Uh, we're going to do this NBA potluck style. Love potlucks. Yeah. So each of us brought to the table one interesting team going forward, one interesting player, and one interesting take because we love them takes. Um, We're going to start off first with a team that I feel like we can't get away from, which is the Boston Celtics. (laughs) I feel like we've been talking about them every week for about two months now and saying similar things. But Haley, you, you wanted to bring them to the table. 
Yeah, and we have been talking about them a lot. But it's, it's because they're put together very skillfully. And they should. They are, are on paper a very good team. This has been the, the problem the entire season. This isn't new. And they just don't play up to their potential. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's like in all aspects of basketball, it's always confusing to us. That's why players like Andrew Wiggins don't make any sense. <laughs> because they have all this talent. We think that they should be so much better. And then, especially after the Celtics lost to the Bulls, and then they lost again last night, but it was a better loss. They lost to Portland, and they played well. It was close. Um, it's just very, very, very confusing to me. No longer like what they can be, because I think that this is it. I don't think there's any getting better for them. It's too late in the season. Their problems are ones that you don't think are going to go away. It's obvious that there's a divide on the team between, I don't even know if it's all the older guys or if it's just Kyrie Irving and, you know, the younger subset of guys that he keeps calling out and then kind of shouting out and Mm -hmm. then calling out again. And so I don't think it's going to get better. Uh, But I do think that they're interesting because they're not a team that's going to go away. They just have too much baseline talent to do that. Mm -hmm. So... I think that they are in a unique position. And also then there's thinking about the future for them. And that goes beyond the regular season, which is what we're talking about today. But, you know, Kyrie Irving is going to be a free agent this season. Is that something the Celtics want to dabble in again? (laughs) And then, you know, they have all their young guys to think about. It's just interesting. And also, you know, if he leaves or if they don't want to resign him, um, the direction of their team then is also just as perplexing. They have, you know... Now Gordon Hayward is your uh, monetarily your most important guy. Right. My thing is that at some point we have to stop saying on paper they have so much talent because I feel like we're falling back on that way too much. Like at some point that has to match up with what we see on the court and what we're seeing on the court is a team that's not nearly as good as we thought it would be first of all and second of all just not as good as it was last year clearly. Right. And I you know we're very much obsessed with trying to figure out what those things that what what the factors are and you know what Kyrie's saying what he's not saying you know what the young players are doing or not saying and I just think like at the end of the day there's just the this is the team like kind of what you're saying this is the team this is this is what we're dealing with it's not a team that is gonna win a title it's not a team that's gonna I mean, I wouldn't be that surprised if they didn't make it to the Eastern Conference Finals. And it's just, you know, I I do think that the Celtics have become a very uh, talked about team because of that. We're still falling back on that. Oh, on paper, they should be so good. And and yeah, that's true to an extent. But also, we already have a very large sample size of what they look like this season, and it's not good. Right. The expectations going into the season often shape how we still talk about these teams going into the playoffs, which I guess is to a certain extent is just like how things work. Uh, but to Paul's point there... I think the divide shows up still to this day where if you look at net rating, they're fourth in the league right now, right underneath the Denver Nuggets, right above the Toronto Raptors, which to me still suggests, despite all of the weird chemistry things that are happening, all the weird Kyrie stuff that's happening, that they're still a good team, like somewhere in the midst of all this like muck. Right, um, and they're not going away. Right, but at the same time, I looked this up just because I wanted to see how well the Hawks were doing lately. And the Hawks are playing just as well as the Celtics are. Or you could flip that as the Celtics are playing just as poorly as the Hawks are. In the past 10, Celtics are 4-6 and with a minus uh, 3.4 net rating. So, which is like 19th in the league. And I think that's the divide right there. We know that this team has talent and we've seen them play well. And yet, 
lately, especially, things just seem completely disjointed. If you guys are the coach of this team, what do you, not even switch on the court, but what do you go in the locker room and handle right away? Because we were talking about this a little bit on Slack yesterday. It mm-hmm. just seems like there's kind of, I mean, Brad Stevens is very much like a player's coach and he seems like someone you'd relate to rather than like the traditional basketball coach, you know, we see in movies or like think of when we think of Tom Thibodeau, who's going to like scream at players. Mm-hmm. So I don't think Brad Stevens is going to go into the locker room and scream at Kyrie, you know, and tell him that he's got to get off his high horse and this obviously isn't working. And there are numbers that prove that the guys play better when you are not in the game at all. Right. Yeah. There's that Dean Oliver stat that's been floating around Twitter, uh, which was essentially said that they play well with Kyrie, but when he goes off the floor, they crater. But when he doesn't play in games, I at believe. All. Yeah. 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 So when the, he doesn't play at all, they play better. But right. when he does play, Obviously, he, they're better when he's on the court, which is some weird. Like, but they mind play warp. better overall when he is not right, playing which, at all. Which seems to suggest that when he is in the flow of the game, like it works. But as soon as he goes off the court, they might not be able to adjust to a team without him. It, that there's mm-hmm. such a division between how they play when he's on. And I off. just think it's clearly that's a interesting mentality because thing. right, yeah, it's a, it's a mental thing. But also, like that's kind of Brad Stevens. Like you know, this, he's always ran like something through his point guard. Like, that's kind of just his offense. It's also Kyrie as a player. Like, that is, like, he is a very dominant player, and he can be. So it kind of makes sense that, like, he's, I don't want to say, like, for, I mean, they need him to do, to play the way that he does play, mm-hmm. which is why I said, why would, what would you tell him in the locker room and not on the court? Mm-hmm. He is that, like, ball-dominant guard. Not necessarily ball-dominant, but, like, he can be. He can take the game over. Yeah, I th- um, we talked about this yesterday too, but it, it's I think the one thing that's kind of playing out here is that we have so much evidence that Brad can make like good use of all the players when Kyrie isn't around, and yet when Kyrie is there, he's causing this yeah. like disjointment, and thus like if we're just going off of that, it seems easy to pick on Kyrie and not necessarily Brad. Right. I think you, I d- think you definitely have a point there that at a certain point it is on the coach to make the best use of the talent. Yeah, I just don't know like what you can do at this point. Because it seems to be baked into how Kyrie plays. And as we were just talking about, like when he plays, he plays well and the team plays well around him. Yeah, so. that's interesting. I mean, I think I've been like mulling over the Brad Stevens like take, if you will, like for a while now. And I, I think I mentioned it earlier, but like there's, I do think he deserves a good bit of critique, maybe more. I think that Kyrie, by speaking and getting in front of a microphone, like, every game and saying something weird is weirdly like attracting more attention to him than what Stevens has or hasn't done. Um, there's something to be said for a coach that not only can do the basketball stuff, but can work with superstars. And this is like Brad Stevens's first superstar. Like Gordon Hayward was not back at Butler. It was not, it was not, a, I mean, he was the best player, but he was not a star. And he means it's college basketball. So that's fascinating to me because maybe he's just the type of coach who doesn't know yet. He's still young how to deal with that, everything that comes with that. And especially everything comes with the superstar that is coming from a type of environment where LeBron sort of ruled over everything. And I think that has to factor in as well, how Kyrie sort of learned the ropes, if you will, being a superstar from having a version of LeBron on his team. Right. And that's the other thing that we were talking about. It's almost LeBron-esque, like how Kyrie is going out in these post-game interviews and, you know, saying these, these, I mean, honestly, just things that he shouldn't be saying Mm -hmm. because it's further dividing this team. And then it's almost in a way like painting Brad as helpless, Mm -hmm. you know, to to Kyrie's like attitude and personality and like how he wants to be. And 
that's something we've always attached to LeBron teams. The coaches just help us. It's LeBron. Like he's going to do what he wants right. to do. And the coach is going to have to come to that. And obviously it's not the same on the court and schematically and everything else. Brad is so much more involved and in the locker room. I'm sh- I mean, I don't know that this is all based on appearances, but obviously like Brad Stevens is very, has a very heavy hand in his team. Nobody's not saying that, mm-hmm. but it's just interesting how it's painted because Kyrie is going out at the end of these games and is very much the face of their struggle, which was always how LeBron was. And it kind of just wasn't even like a thought to what what was going on with the coach or what the coach could be doing. Something I wonder is sort of their uh, philosophical differences, if you will, about basketball, whereas Kyrie has a very distinct style and like Brad is very much about the egalitarian system and yes. sort of moving the ball. Yep. And I, those two things clashing, I wonder how that is from, you know, inside. Um, because I wonder if, Given going back to that uh, Dean Oliver statistic, if it would be just best for the Celtics to let Kyrie, for lack of a better term, go more like Harden, mm. you know, uh, like just let him take more shots, let him be more of a focal point of the offense. Granted, he is a focal point of the offense, but just like let him take over a little more. But I wonder if that's something that Brad it's just like doesn't compete in his mind because it's not an option because he wants to play that that ball sharing system. Yeah. The big picture view of the Celtics seems to be that like they have carefully plotted out this, like this model franchise step-by-step, step, like mm-hmm. getting the right coach in place, getting the right players in p- place, getting all of these like perfect draft picks and nailing them. But they're coming head on into a collision with like the new environment of the NBA where it's players are, are obviously going to try to get how, like what they want out of a situation and so they're trying to build structure from almost like a chaotic environment. Like that is inherently a little, maybe not chaotic, but a little tough to like wrangle. Mm-hmm. And so, and I think, you know, Bill has been pretty outspoken about like how this era of players, specifically Anthony Davis is like, maybe it's not a good thing for, for everybody, even though like for individual players, it's great to see them taking hold of power. But there is this divide where it's like, if Kyrie can't really get on the same page of like what has been a model franchise over the past few years, I do think like uh, maybe he should like take a second to like think about it. Well, yeah, because it's Kyrie. That's the other thing Mm -hmm. is that maybe if he's like modeling, like you were saying, Paulo, this like leadership tactics that he has when, you know, calling out the young guys in public, it's very much like something he got from LeBron, but dude, you're not LeBron. You like you, you are not allowed to go around and, and like, and and act this type of way and think that it's going to be beneficial for the team. Maybe it was something we've forgotten about is how when he did request for a trade, like part of the rhetoric around that was that he wanted his own team and he wanted his own thing. And Boston wasn't on his list. And he's gone there and he seems like he's he was thriving and enjoyed it. But at the end of the day, that's still not his team, even though he's the best player. Yeah. That 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 is exactly what the Celtics have been about for the last few years. It hasn't been about one figure. It's about being this collective of assets and like team building so even if he's now been the piece that's been added as a free agent it's still not his team it's never going to be his team like that and maybe that's something that has caused friction yeah all right let's move on from the team that we all hate now to the team that we all love (laughs) yes Uh, our sacramento kings they're back I don't know where they went over the past couple of weeks, but they're back. I do. They were on a fucking brutal road trip. They, <laughs> they, they had the yeah. Warriors, the they had the Nuggets, the Warriors, the Thunder, the Wolves, and then they came back home last night, Milwaukee. I have to say, this is my favorite team to watch. It's gotten to the 100%. point where it's not even like a deep cut take anymore. 
Like this isn't some. Like you're not being artsy. No, this is the Pascal Siakam syndrome, where it's like he (laughs) he was the deep cut, and now he's he's super popular. Can't even mention him. You liked the band before everyone knew them. I know. Yeah, but apparently not in this case. Not anymore. Yeah, Uh, thirty-one and thirty overall. Uh, They are two games back of the eighth seed. Still, the Clippers uh, hanging on there, and I think they have a really easy stretch here. Uh, this is the team I wanted to talk about just because they bring so much joy to my life. They are the Marie Kondo yes. uh, to my NBA experience. Uh, I I have been particularly in love with the way Buddy Heald is like taking the reins and is kind of just popping off of that team. For a while, I think we've just assumed that De'Aaron Fox, given how he plays and like just how energetic and just I think how like what, what a high opinion we have of him, that he was the guy in that team. But if you watch that team over the past like 10 games or whatever it seems like Buddy is the guy mm-hmm. and even in crunch time when De'Aaron's like doing his thing it's like give the ball to Buddy <laughs> like mm-hmm. what are you doing mm-hmm. uh, the other thing that's interesting there is uh, Marvin Bagley obviously has just completely jumped off the page lately he's playing worthy of the number two pick unfortunately got hurt last night um, but I guess the question there is like, what do we think about the Canes going forward? Do we do we think they're the favorite for that A seed? Well so they I looked it up and they have the third easiest schedule going out which the Clippers are, they also have a fairly easy schedule and the Clippers also have the advantage of you know Doc Rivers and his playoff experience when I say playoff experience I mostly mean like making that push right. in regards to right. this part yeah. of the season um, it's something that not a lot of these Kings have mm-hmm. I was actually looking up a while back in comparison to like the Lakers and the Clippers and the Kings their playoff experience in general um, and the Kings had the least, like in terms of just com- raw combined minutes played of For their sure. entire roster, yeah. um, of the three by far, like Le- like LeBron himself had more than the entire other two rosters combined. Yeah. Um, so that will hurt the Kings. Uh, but at the same time, I don't know. I, they feel like the the young, exciting uh, team that could put points on the board. You know what I mean? And they can rally. Like last night, they came back from what seventeen. Yeah. Milwaukee, um, and then they lost by one. They forced it to overtime. It was so exciting. Right, so yeah. they do seem like they have the energy to pull off like a late season playoff. It push. does feel very much like the season before the actual season mm. is happening, where mm-hmm. like you're seeing them have these. I mean, they beat the Thunder, granted on a back to back, but they beat the Thunder. They had a few other really good wins and have just even blown out some teams. And and yet they're still sort of a step short in all these games. You know, the Nugget game, um, Bucks, and so. You wonder, like, I the, the reason I want them to make the playoffs is because of that. Like, they're going to have an amazing, a better season next year. So having just even, like, a tiny bit of experience in playoffs will be, I feel like, so valuable for a team that has so many young guys, too. And that, that is also, like, vindication for how they switched styles from last season and are now running um, and doing all of that. And it looks very difficult for them. But at the same time, I would love a series between like I would much rather watch them the Warriors and the Warriors and the Spurs or the Warriors and the Clippers for sure they make some of the dumbest mistakes I've ever seen (laughs) especially late in games like last night when Willie Colley Stein just threw it to nobody on like the <laughs> biggest possession of the game. Oh, Willie Colley Stein. <laughs> or when <laughs> one where I'm like, ah, right, but even know. like Buddy healed. You gotta get replaced next year. <laughs> Buddy didn't take that deep three uh, in, in order to win a game recently. Darren Fox just got eaten alive by Eric yeah, Bledsoe. That was ridiculous uh, on a certain possession. But it reminds me of you know how like in poker. There, there's always this thing where like the the established players know how to play a certain way, but if like some sort of like 
uh, someone that doesn't know how to play is almost like a, a completely chaos agent. Yeah, and that's, he shakes yeah. the status quo. Yeah, it's right. Like exactly. March Madness brackets. You don't like the, right. the person who has no idea what's happening in college basketball wins or something like that. Exactly. They, they don't know how to play them. I feel like that's what we get in a lot of the Warriors Kings matchups. Which, if this bears out and the Kings make the playoffs, I would love that playoff series. It's that, great. That'd be the one like worthwhile. Uh, Warriors playoff series. It would 100% be a sweep, but it would be the most fun sweep ever. It would be like when the Pelicans played the Warriors, uh, I think in 2014-15, and it was like the first year when Anthony Davis started to rise. It's like, oh, they're not there yet, but I could definitely see this team, and Mm -hmm. like they have something there. I guess the question, though, is going forward when you were talking about like this is the year before the year. I think that's highly possible. The one thing I'm always worried about is whether or not like progress is just linear. For sure. And that way, especially with a team like the Kings, where it's like, are we totally sure that they're going to nail like free agency? Like well, the Harrison Barnes situation in particular? That's what I was going to say, too, is you were saying it's vindication for the way that they switch styles, Paula. Yeah. This is also kind of vindication for the way that they've built this team. They are the most regularly shit on team front <laughs> office, I guess. I mean, and think about it. Like yeah, yeah. Marvin Bagley has looked Man. great as as of yeah. late, like you said. Um, Buddy Heald. I thought that was a good trade at the time, but it's just everyone made fun of it because he said he was going to be Steph Curry. <laughs> he's right. literally shooting very he's, similar to Steph Curry. And now he's shooting Curry. really, really, really well. <laughs> yeah. And uh, De'Aaron Fox. Mm-hmm. You know, and honestly, and some of the other pieces that they've managed to bring yeah, to the Bogdanovich team too. Is Bogdanovich amazing. Even, yeah. you know, um, Belly's not really playing anymore, but like before when they were building to this team, like That's he right. was proving to be like a very smart ad mm-hmm. and, and it made the Wolves look ridiculous for letting him go. Yeah. Um, even even like Harry Giles like is now sort of getting more playing time and the combination of him and, 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 and Bagley at the same time is really intriguing. Right, right. So I think that it is also vindication for the front office. With that being said, for some reason, I still don't have faith in Colin <laughs> no. going forward. Um, but it is nice to see that it's working out for Vlade. Yeah, I still don't know right what, why they made the Alec Burks trade, for instance. Like, There's a lot of uh, question what did, marks. What did they trade for Alec Burks? I, I think, I don't know if picks were involved, but they moved Shumpert and brought in Burks oh, because right. I, the thinking was they needed sure. a big wing for the playoffs. I could see it that like you kind of officially turned over that third guard spot over to Bogey. Sure. Like even if not in minutes, but just like symbolically. And they brought in Cory Booker as like another old head off the street. Wow. So I guess Shumpert is pretty replaceable, but at the same time, like I, I have no faith. I'm worried about Harrison Barnes, to be honest. Really? It just just because again, on paper, he should help them because he's another scoring option, a more a, a bit of more reliable scoring option, older guy, etc. But he's also like a black hole for like jump shots. You know what I'm saying? Like, sure. And if he's taking some away from Buddy or Darren or Bogey, like I don't know how good that is. I mean, he'll be helpful, but I'm just like I'm 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 still a little unsure about. Him. Yeah, taking fewer shots than he was in Dallas, which is uh, appropriate, especially because he's playing more minutes. Yeah, I I don't know what to make of him, but if he falls in line, if he basically plays the role he had in Golden State, I think it'll be super helpful. Yeah, because sure. that worked out. Hey. <laughs> he was good for a little he while. Good. They won seventy three games to, with him. All you starting. need to do is watch the last championship. Uh, yeah. Well, they don't, just don't play him in the finals. Sacramento Kings. Uh, all right. Let's go to the other team in that Western Conference uh, eighth seed race. Uh, the one that we actually care about. So not the Clippers. Sorry, Isaac. Uh, Paul, you want to talk about the Lakers a little bit? Yeah. I mean, they're just a mess. A, a glorious mess. You were there last night. I was. Yeah. And it's just. Everybody's so it feels very on edge because of the quote unquote stakes, if you will. I don't I think we're almost 
talking. I, I think we're being too positive about their chances. Mm. I, like I, I'm there front of the line saying like I'm not going to doubt LeBron until he misses the playoff. But they have a tough schedule. Uh, I believe they're two and a half back now. Uh, if that's no, they are. They have to be further back. They are three games back. So I don't know. That's tough. They have a tough, like I said, tough schedule. LeBron is sort of in this mode where he doesn't. You can't tell if he's like saving himself for the offensive side of the ball and then like not trying on defense or actually just not trying on defense because like he's a little bit checked out or, you know, I don't know which player is going to step up on a given night. Brandon Ingram has been really, really good, which has honestly saved him. He got a bucket last night that pretty much sort of sealed the win before LeBron's one-legged uh, three-point <laughs> shot, right. which everybody was raving about. But, you know, I, I think they're just so fascinating to me because it's so mind-blowing that we're very close to the possibility of LeBron missing the playoffs for the first time in what feels like my entire lifetime. Yeah, this feels like the sort of thing where there's so much evidence against what like is likely to happen. Sure. Where it's like, we have a, literally a decade of LeBron going into the playoffs, but everything is pointing to him not being there. And so it's just like... It's it's more about us, I feel like, than anything. I think it's, the yeah. writing is is pretty clearly on the wall. The fact that the teams that they've been losing to lately are trash. Like they <laughs> they almost lost to this Pelicans team that was like sitting Anthony Davis in the fourth. Has been watching Drew Holiday's minutes. Julius Randle was on some sort of like bloodthirsty yeah. revenge tour, just jacking shots. Like this is not a team that you need a one footed LeBron three pointer in order to beat. Well, but you did. But that has <laughs> been <laughs> right. But no, but going back to, I remember. It's funny because at the beginning of the season, you wrote about them being like the perfect league pass team because they were in every, like every game was tight and exciting. And back then it was like charming. Now it's like worrisome. <laughs> well, okay. So I, I looked this up because I think it is interesting to point out that with LeBron in the lineup, they are a completely different team than without him. Obviously, that's like, that's a clear point, right? Sure. But like, even if you're just going off of the raw record with LeBron, they're 24 and 19, they would be seventh in the West comfortably and actually pushing up against that next tier with the Rockets on those other teams. Without him, they're six and 12 and they would be 14th. They would be right above the Suns. And I think this is exactly what we were saying going into the season is that with LeBron, I think this team makes some sense and I can see them in the playoffs. But the season is so long. They're playing this pace. LeBron is 34. Like, it, it literally is like we're at Occam's Razor, I think. I think the thing is that this goes back to how they handle the summer because they don't have a failsafe, sort of a backup plan. And you you can make excuses for them, right? There's LeBron has been out. Lonzo has been out. They had the suspensions early on in the season, which, like, again, what I'm going to say is, like, this happened at the beginning of the season, but people are still talking about that. They as keep if, like, talking about that. Like, yeah. it matters. <laughs> so, what I mean, literally, like, 50 games ago. So, what I'm saying is, like, there's... You can't... You can't expect for a season to be perfect. And 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 they didn't prepare for how it would be if, if their young players got injured or if they... If, or if LeBron got injured. And not that you sort of expect that but I think a smart team in the summer goes out and gets like Reggie Bullock right now is like one of their most valuable players just because he can hit an open jump shot right which the like, the they didn't have they anybody brought, else like when that they Chandler, like in it was so right. important right. and it's like yeah. this, this guy should not be this important right. like he was the answer to a lot of their problems and, and temporarily and anyway. they, they're kind of getting what they deserve because they sure. intentionally signed a lot of these guys regardless of who they signed they were just holding the cap space essentially in order to roll it over to the next summer. And if you're basically playing with like just, just league average, just like cap holds, 
Like you kind of deserve to not like get into the playoffs as a result. You're treating the season like it's a bridge season, mm-hmm. then you don't deserve to actually like benefit from it. Right. I guess is what I'm saying. Well, so uh, before we move on, I want to share this tweet. Uh, Sports Center, I think this was like three days ago, tweeted the Lakers are twice as likely to get a top three pick, six percent, than they are to make the playoffs, three percent according <sighs> to BPI. Yeah, it's brutal. It reminds me of the Pelicans a lot of times. Because there's just like, oh, they have Anthony Davis and like some guys, and but they have Anthony Davis and they'll figure it out. But they never figured it out. Right. Like kill twice. Drew Holiday right now. Oh though. my God, Drew's, <laughs> Drew's amazing. I love Drew. Uh, I just wanted to quickly talk about Brandon Ingram because he was the guy. Uh, he was the player I, I brought to the table. You know, I'm starting to see some things, and he has a tendency to do this where he'll just like kind of float for most of the season, and then like turn it yeah. on at the end. You're like, yeah. oh yeah, Brandon Ingram, pretty good. Uh, <laughs> But I thought David Thorpe uh, on the New True Hoop uh, newsletter had a really good point, which is essentially saying that maybe he isn't Tatum. Maybe Tatum ultimately will be the best prospect. But I think we have gone a little bit too far in suggesting that Ingram just like isn't anything. And I thought his, his biggest case, which I tend to forget, is that Ingram is 21 years old and he is six months younger than Jason Tatum. Uh, and you're starting to see why like we had so much hope for him over the past 15 games. He's averaging like 22 points. Uh, I'm surprised that the three-point shooting hasn't come along. I'm surprised that the distribution hasn't come along because those were like two of the best skills he kind of projected to have, like being able to stretch the floor and also like almost operate as your primary playmaker in a lot of sets. So I'm still concerned overall but, right, but like, there are many factors that have stunted his growth. Sure, yeah, that's, that's what I was going to say. Even before yeah. LeBron, and that, you know that's been talked about a lot. Okay, well, what would we think is like holding him back right now, or before? or just in general? Well, well, I think at the beginning of the season, and to be clear, like I've been generally down on Ingram, and either way, but it does feel like there was a culture shock of having LeBron on the team, just on on the court. I mean, not not even after, off the court stuff, but just figuring out how to deal with a player that's that not just ball dominant, but has such a huge presence on the court and where Ingram, I think thrives is more of like that one-on-one game or Mm -hmm. that's what he's built for. Um, I, I I do agree with you that that I'm worried about the three point shot because it's when you watch him shoot it, it's sort of like it takes forever for him to release it because his arms are so long that you're like, this is, this does not look normal. Like what free throw form too. Yeah. Yeah. I missed one late last night and I'm like, why is this going like behind your head sort of thing? I mean, maybe it's just like a, the fact that's just how his body is, but you know, it it, it is one of those things where you worry about that as far as like what his ceiling can be, because we always talk about these guys like ceiling and whatnot. I Mm -hmm. do think we, we did kind of go overboard in terms of with Tatum because like Tatum, also had a bit of a culture shock this season with Kyrie and Hayward coming back, and he struggled for a bit too. So it, these guys are young; like this is going to happen. Yeah, I mean, look at the two guys the Lakers gave up on after their rookie contracts, or even before that. Sure, D'Angelo Russell, Julius Randle. They would love to have both of them. Mm-hmm. I don't know why they gave up on. Ju- well, I know why they gave up on Julius Randle because he has a player option for the second year, and they can't sign anyone with that cap space. At the end, he was playing so well. They were like out. They were like visibly out on him. Yeah. for a while, and then the, that last season, he was really, really good. Both guys are averaging twenty points a game right now. Russell is averaging seven assists. Randle is averaging nine rebounds. Like. Some of it's just pace, especially with Randall. And like, I think he is a little one dimensional, but to me, that's like a clear sign. It's like, do not give up on this guy yet. And I still think that there is some hope, maybe not a lot that if they just keep this team, the Lakers invest in their young guys, like write it out and actually give them the time to figure this out and just add someone in free agency. Even if it is a Chris Middleton or whatever, I think that's probably enough for now. 
And worst case scenario, you still have these guys to swing a trade at the next deadline in a year to come. I mean, it's not going to align properly with LeBron's prime, and that's yeah. obviously the biggest issue they're going to have. But at the same time, you kind of just have to make the most of the situation you honestly signed up for. So. Yeah, but that is the question. Like, if it, it doesn't line up with LeBron, and LeBron is the entire purpose of your team, and he is mm-hmm. anywhere he goes, like he is the entire purpose, then maybe what's best is to have someone else who sees the same Ingram potential and get what's you know, a justifiable fair trade back right. for him. Yeah. So something I mean, that's going on. And honestly, like Ingram, I'm like kind of with Paulo. Like I've been like so annoyed with him this entire season because I want him to be more aggressive. There's space for him to be this aggressive guy that Kuzma has been and to dominate. And I think that now I've officially sorted him in the pile of this guy needs to go somewhere else to really bloom. You know, but then again, like I like the last guy I said that about was Justice Winslow. Mm-hmm. And he's finally come around, which is nice. So our guy. So I don't. Maybe I mean maybe I'm wrong about that, but I would love to see him somewhere else because it's. I, it just seems like he's been limited where he's he is. In been put in a box by right. by LeBron. Yeah, maybe maybe the answer is that they shouldn't be leaning into being a LeBron team going forward. So yeah, but it's like it's too late for that. I, it <laughs> is up for, for your contract. It's, it's never. You could always trade him. <laughs> All right, we're gonna take a quick break and get to some of our other interesting players and takes. Today's show is brought to you by Stitch Fix. Stitch Fix is an online personal styling service that finds and delivers clothes, shoes, and accessories to fit your body, budget, and lifestyle. I'm in the marketplace for a coat. It's a little cold here in Los Angeles. It always seems to be raining when we record this podcast, Every actually. Thursday. Yeah, so we could use some some rain gear on the group chat podcast. Uh, Stitch Fix makes it really easy to sign up. Uh, it's been great having them available. Stitch Fix can help you find your new favorite piece of clothing. Just go to stitchfix.com slash MBA and tell them your sizes, what styles you like, and how much you want to spend on each item. You'll be paired with your very own personal stylist who will handpick five items to send right to your door. Then try them on, pay only for what you love, and return the rest. Shipping, exchanges, and returns are always free. There's no subscription required. You can sign up to receive scheduled shipments or get your fix whenever you want. Stitch Fix's styling fee is only $20, which is applied toward anything you keep from your shipment. Get started now at stitchfix.com MBA, and you'll get an extra 25% off when you keep all five items in your box. That's stitchfix.com MBA to get started today. stitchfix.com MBA. Today's show is also brought to you by Turo. Turo is a peer-to-peer car sharing marketplace where you can book any car you want, wherever you want, from a community of local hosts. Turo is available in over 5,500 cities across the U.S., Canada, the U.K., and Germany, with over 9 million users worldwide. Choose the best car for you, often at a lower cost than traditional car rental agencies, and customize your experience for whatever your adventure demands. Turo has over 850 plus unique makes and models available, including Tesla, Porsche, Mercedes-Benz, BMW, Ferraris, Subaru, Toyota, and more. Whether it's a truck to help you on moving day, a swishy sports car for a luxurious weekend away, or a vintage van for a picture-perfect road trip, Turo lets you find the perfect vehicle for your next adventure. Turo has more than 350,000 vehicles listed globally, and many hosts offer to deliver the car right to you. Insurance options are available on every trip. Skip the rental counter with Turo. Download the Turo app, that's T-U-R-O, on the App Store or Google Play, or visit Turo.com. Get $25 off your first trip when you sign up for Turo and use promo code RINGER at checkout. Terms apply. All right, we're back. Haley Paolo, 
Bobby, let's do this. We're talking about interesting players and takes going into the last stretch run here in the season. Paulo, uh, you have a friend of LeBron who we just finished with in our last segment. Yeah. Uh, tell us about Chris Paul. Yeah, Chris Paul. So I want to be on the record. I love hero James Harden and watching him go off for 40, 50 points a night. And I think I wish we would have had more of that when Chris Paul was out injured. So when Chris Paul come, came back, I feared for what the potential, like not just what hap- what would happen in Harden's streak, which is now over, but how he would m- make the team better. And if he still had it in him, you know, I remember early on in the season, we were talking about how like he looked a little just washed. <laughs> and right. now after watching him when they were here in LA and sort of watching him in these, these few games, I'm so surprised by how smooth he looks. He looks for one healthy playing like super like a lot faster than I expected to be his shot is really good and he's just as aggressive as he's been in the past so I think I've always been in the camp that the Thunder are the the real like fake threat to the Warriors but I think if if the Rockets can get Chris Paul back to that sort of uh, elite level that we saw from last season or most of last season I'm really just intrigued by what they become because one I mean everybody talks about this but when they have like Capella Harden and Paul, they're, you know, they're one of the better teams in the league. He's entirely the reason that they beat the Hornets last night. The Hornets were rolling. Like, you know, Kemba Walker was like, I think he had like 27 of his points in the uh, first half. He was like 9 for 10. And in the second half, Chris Paul was like, dude, you've got to let me guard him. Because they're, they're trying to like take it a little bit easy yeah. on him coming back. And so he did. And like Kemba was held to, I think, 8 points. You know, he mm-hmm. he brings that unique intensity. And it's funny because you were saying that. I was like, oh, man, I wish he was on the Lakers. Like, that's what they need. <laughs> yeah. Why are those the two banana boaters who have never gotten together? I know. And Melo somewhere out there just on a raft, just fishing. <laughs> fishing. Yeah, fishing. What a guy. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, Chris Paul, I think we wrote his obituary way too soon. Like, I just watched him out there. I'm like, oh, yeah, he's like, yeah. at worst, he's like a really, really, really good starting point guard. Uh, and I, I think the point you hit right there, Haley, is the one that that's really important going forward. I think defensively, the team is just way better. When he's yeah, out there. that's a great point. He's, yeah. he's, I mean, he is the balance to to Harden. He right. always has been, and he's kind of made them not just a Harden team, but a really good team overall. And so I'm intrigued to see what they're going to do over the next, I think they're, what, fifth? Mm-hmm. Also, uh, as Harden was coming off to his... Uh, fifth in the West. His cold shooting start last night... Uh, Chris Paul was, was shooting really well. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just like, that, that's the kind of balance that made, like, I was thinking to myself as I was watching it, so funny because I didn't really want Chris Paul to come back because I wanted to see how right. far Harden could take this. But I think he kind of like willfully ended it himself, even though last night he had 30 again. But it, it just made me feel stupid for even thinking that. Yeah. Because he's like, obviously right. such a extremely helpful part of this team. Yeah. Necessary part. I guess I team. forgot how fun it is to sort of watch Chris Paul do his thing. Right. And yeah. sometimes do his thing is being a little dirty, but like, hey. You know, I think he's like crafty. probably my favorite player or among them. Sure. I just, I have an appreciation for how much like he tries to like ring out of a possession. Like it's, he's yeah. clearly like, there's this old Free Darko art of Kobe trying to build a, um, uh, uh, a, one of those things in a bottle, like the ship in a bottle sort yeah, of yeah, thing yeah. and how it takes so much like precision or whatever. And, but there's like all these like scattered around him, the failed attempts. Sure. Uh, that's what I think of with Chris Paul more than Kobe. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, but no, I, yeah, I think it's a really interesting uh, case. I'm more worried about Harden than Paul going forward. I would say just like running out of <laughs> gas, fair. especially fair. Yeah. at the past few ones. Uh, but Haley, let's talk about the other guy in that game last night. Uh, tell us about Kemba Walker and what a legend 
Yes. He looked amazing last night. <laughs> he did. And the whole entire time I was just thinking, man, I can't wait to watch him like next year on a good team. That's <laughs> not the Hornets. Maybe. But, I hope so. So that's I, I wanted to bring up him. Guys Money's like him nice. and guys like D'Angelo Russell. <laughs> you don't think he's you think he's gonna resign? No, I do I don't see he doesn't strike me as the guy who would like who is like actively like thirsty for the chance to play on a better thirsty, team. But I also don't think it's asking Kemba? too much to have something better around him. He's but, a winner, man. But he seems national so, title, but Paulo. He seems so happy. I know, I know. But he seems so <laughs> happy there and like no matter what, like it's just like I, I think don't know. That's just his personality. I think he's yeah, just, sure. He's Westbrooky in a way where he like maybe wants to make yeah, the most of that's his how I see situation. Right. I could I could kind of see that he was super loyal. He stayed in college three years, whatever. But I want to see him on a big stage. It would be, it would be a would really too, really big bummer for me if he stayed and they didn't do anything else to prove it to him. That that like almost exactly echoes Anthony Davis resigning with the Pelicans when they showed him they could they would had absolutely done nothing for him. Yeah, I actually think like the coaching change has been really good. Um, mm-hmm. that's yeah. been fun to watch too I've also liked to watch the Hornets because of that uh, but for guys like Kemba and for guys like D'Angelo Russell you know I think the Hornets are actually in danger of falling out of the playoffs the Nets not so much right. um, but this last stretch of the season is interesting because it's not only whether where their team will be positioned in the postseason the postseason is probably not going to matter for much more than experience for either one of them. Mm-hmm. But the remainder of the regular season is kind of like an audition. Yeah, I, I think and if also they don't it can make... it can channel frustrations for for Kemba, which is probably what you're about to say. Yep. So if they don't make it, or if they you know barely make it, then that also is kind of an audition. The team, yeah, auditioning. So we're rooting for them not to make the playoffs. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> essentially. I mean, if you're getting beat out by the Magic. That's tough. That's a tough That's look. That's a tough look. And yeah. I bet you every free agent meeting they're, he's going to take Dude, with forever. other teams are going to be like, by the way, <laughs> did you realize your team got beat by the Magic in the playoff race? It's not great. Uh, yeah. Can't have a comeback for that. Can't have a comeback for that. I do. Want, I think he's also the type of player who would thrive on a playoff stage. He's only had, I think, two playoff series. Once, I believe, as a Bobcat, which is just to show you how far back that goes. I think he was on that team. Yeah, I'm pretty sure with Al Jefferson as the lead player, which is good God, that was long ago. And then uh, we actually looked it up one day, like who his best uh, teammate was. Teammate was, and I said Al Jefferson. Yeah, Yeah. Al had a really good one year Mm -hmm. with the Bobcats. Uh, That's yeah. Who's his best teammate now? Now, (sighs) theoretical Malik Monk. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. (laughs) I guess Bridges. Bridges probably has the most upside. Yeah, but do you mean? But you're saying uh, now? Currently, yeah, that's the, the thing. second. Jeremy Lamb. Jeremy Lamb, I guess. But uh, he's coming off the bench. Uh, yeah. Yikes. But I don't know. Yeah, no. But Kemba was really good in that other playoff series he played against the Miami Heat with with Jeremy Lin. Um, okay, <laughs> stop talking about the Hornets. <laughs> uh, we're gonna get on to the Bobby takes. Says Zeller. Did he? <laughs> he said, Zeller's been playing what? well lately. He said King. <laughs> <laughs> get the fuck out of here <laughs> uh, you know he's fine he, he set some hard screens you know and that's critical Real to every team it's just like Bobby right he's setting screens yeah. for us to, to look good uh, alright let's get on to the takes this is the good stuff uh, we're gonna we're gonna start off the top we're gonna get really spicy just to begin with my take is that Jimmy Butler should leave the Philadelphia 76ers which at this point seems kind of inevitable uh, to sign with the Atlanta Hawks I hate Does this it take. seem inevitable? 
Uh, there seems to be that seems to be what the whisper campaign is is like pointing toward the whisper campaign. Well, like just that. like that's the, a good podcast name, <laughs> whisper <laughs> campaign. <laughs> a good T-shirt for the yeah. store. Uh, no, just like I don't know if you hear any of the 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 informed reporters out there talk about Jimmy Butler. The what they always seem to say is like, uh, you know, Tobias definitely the Sixers are probably going to resign, maybe sign him to a max. Even Jimmy is not such a sure thing. Uh, I think a lot of it will probably depend on how the playoffs go. But like, if you're Jimmy too, I don't know, like the Sixers aren't the sort of team, like if you look at his list of teams that he offered the the Timberwolves to begin with, the Sixers don't really seem to jive with that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but a team like the Hawks, which pretty sleepy market, but I think if it were to be re-energized, I think could like, I think a lot of NBA players love it, mm-hmm. love the actual city. So, like, it's not a terrible destination. A lot of strip clubs there. A lot of strip clubs. King of Diamonds. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I actually don't know if that's that's in there. I just, I just, I just said it. Just made it up on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. I'm just going off of Drake songs at this I, point. <laughs> I, hate to, I hate to say so much because I don't want to ruin the purity that is the Hawks right now. And <laughs> that, that's the point. Yes. Yeah, I know. Because think about what are you, what are you giving them? Like, you're giving them this like furious like 30 he's 29 right now yeah this furious 30 year old injury prone (laughs) guy who needs to be paid the most and is literally going to destroy (laughs) these young guys I'm banking everything on them lucking into Zion Oh, that'd be incredible. That would be like, that's, that's what I want. Because Collins does need another big next. Yeah, for sure. That would be great. Oh, that would be so good. That would be great. That would be the next proper tank. You know, the Sixers, they were like the, the most beautiful and like rewarding tank. I also just think they have an identity. Like they have a real identity. I I sort of wrote about that in the, in the, in the trade piece, which is like, they are, yeah, the easy thing to say is they're trying to be the Warriors because of, you know, some of the people they hired and like the personnel they're trying to like cultivate. But it's yeah, but why more, is that a bad thing? No, 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 no. You know I, I mean, mean, it's like, just like it's it's mm-hmm. maligned because it's a copycat thing, and it's like, oh well, you can't be the Warriors without like having like a Steph Curry for a year or whatever. Yeah, the know? Hornets, in fact, tried the the to be the <laughs> Warriors, and they got to one playoff series and then flamed out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you go. So, but I do think they they have the right mindset about what they want to do with the team. You know, looking at passing, you know, and and sort of how that is a foundational, you know. Um, trait to, to build upon and mm-hmm. they have the guys who you know Kevin Herter already looks really like he's look he sh- had potential and um, obviously Collins and Trey Trey's had like an amazing second half of the season just from a shooting perspective after having like an amazing first half uh, passing so I don't know I just I really just like what they're doing and I want the patience to endure there yeah I think oddly enough both the Mavericks and the Hawks made out in that deal and on top of that the Hawks still have this pick that the yeah. the Mavericks need to convey because I I think in a large part, like Luca probably works anywhere, but if the Hawks want to lean into this identity, as you're saying, which is more about ball movement and motion and whatever, it makes sense that they would want someone more like Trey than Luca. Yeah. Now, whether they're even at that point now where they can say, don't give me a top five potential NBA player uh, in order to like lean into this system. So even into this like belief rather than a, a, a raw player, like a person who is clearly good. But it is similar, I think, in a lar- uh, to a large degree of how like the Warriors play off against James Harden. That was, I was just going to make that right? comparison. Yeah, it's Both like are good in their own yeah. right, but they're different in little mm-hmm. ways. The Hawks still need that one guy. I think Trey is really good. I like yeah. Herter. Uh, I love Collins. But I they, they still need a star. And I do feel like if they want to accelerate this really quickly, you get... 
let's say a Cam Reddish or whoever is good in the draft. I honestly do not know. <laughs> whoever is going to know. I don't watch college basketball anymore. Uh, and like a frontline superstar, uh, it's pretty feisty. I, uh, I think they could be like a, like the fifth seed next year. We, we're seeing so many of these teams like the Sixers and the Lakers at a superstar and sort of have this crisis about their young players not developing fast enough. And I don't, I don't want that for the Hawks. Yeah. That's, that's, that's my, they are too pure. Yeah, they really are. I think that's the right way to put it. Um, all right, Paolo, let's, uh, oh, let's, talk about, let's talk about a team that actually has some stakes here yeah. over the next couple of weeks. Uh, the Denver Nuggets, I think, are like a success story this season, one yeah, might say. for sure. But you're you're just a cynical, like hard-ass journalist, and you just <laughs> uh, you just can't believe in them. Tell I, us about I just this. I don't know if it's just, I'm going to look dumb at the end of this, for not believing in the Nuggets, I might some. It's okay. So the take is that I think they they have a good chance of losing in the first round, and that's probably ridiculous considering they're going to be the two seed and probably have to play like. Well, I don't know. It could be the Lakers in that seven seed, or it could be you know the Spurs. So mm-hmm. definitely in play. I just in the same way that I talked about the Kings being that year before the year that they make that bigger jump. I think the Nuggets are right now are having the year before they make to jump to like an actual contender. Mm-hmm. I think this is a a year where we become like enamored by them and and sort of their, you know, their their system and what they're building there and and the way their way to take that system to an elite level without like um I don't want to say without a superstar because Jokic is to an extent that, but he is a defensive liability and I feel like when your best player is a defensive liability and you don't really have that uh perimeter guy to bail you out. Jamal Murray, I don't think he's quite there yet. I think that creates issues for a playoff-like series. Yeah. I think their fate very much decides on who they match up with. Yeah. So right now, it would be the Spurs, and you're right, that is trouble for them. That is a team with a lot of experience in outsmarting other teams Mm -hmm. that are more I feel like Pop would have a field day. Yeah. Right. And if we're saying that the Nuggets' biggest defensive issue is probably rim protection because of Jokic, Mm -hmm. he's the guy at center, I do feel like Pop's ability to to game plan and just like cram the rim and just like hit him in the mid-range would would obviously uh, be tough for them. Uh, So this is an interesting question because it it spins off into a a debate about um, who we think is probably most likely to upset a team in the playoffs. Do we have any like early candidates? Oh, the Nets for sure. Yeah, I was going to say the Nets. Uh so the Nets are currently the sixth seed in the East. They would be matched up against the Pacers. The Pacers are probably the softest top four right. seed. Right. They yeah, I think that they would take that series. I think it's the most likely one on the Not board. Not to undermine the Pacers. They've um, been good lately. Because they have been good and yeah. they deserve some recognition for you know, remaining stable without Oladipo, but they're yeah. capped. They're capped. They have a they have a clear um ceiling. The Nets could beat a good team in seven games. That would be they an interesting series last. because of the difference in styles. The Pacers are more back. plotting and slow, and the Nets would like to speed it up. So mm-hmm. it'd be interesting to see how Indiana would fare against that right. kind of pace. Right. Yeah. The other team I, I look at, well, I, I don't even know if this is technically an upset, but the Rockets are currently in the 4 5 matchup with the Trailblazers. Mm. I do think like any team that gets matched up against the Rockets probably at a disadvantage there. I just, I, I think I looked at the finals odds on 538 just before this, and I think like the Rockets, the Thunder, and I think even the Jazz have better final odds than the Nuggets, for instance. Mm. Right. And I also think the Jazz are a sleeper team because of our, <laughs> or well, I'll, I'll just put it on me, my long-held belief that they are like the sleeping giant. Uh, I don't think that's borne out this season. Yeah. But I do think they have the, the things in place in order to like knock a team off. 
the Blazers and the Rockets would be an interesting matchup betting wise because those are the two teams that like shit the bed in the playoffs. Sure. So it's yeah. like, but I, I think I'd still take the Rockets in that one. Would you guys give the Pistons any chance to beating the Raptors? No. No. Like, like, but no is there a non-zero chance? Oh, I didn't even think about like that would be a no. storyline. God, the Pistons are so like they're so like in the left. Part I don't. Of my I can. Like, I don't I understand about, them. Like, but at the same time, like Blake Griffin is amazing, and Andre Drummond has been playing really well. That's all I'm gonna say. The, the Casey nobody believes in us extending to the coach thing is like the only chance that they have. But the Raptors, Raptors are really weird lately. Yeah, I'm just saying. They're a good team, obviously, but they're like they're shaky in ways that I think a lot of people kind of miss. I think that would be the type of series that goes six games and everybody was like, What? Yeah, exactly. They would they would give them a, a firm like shove. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> Before we get to our last take, uh, let's talk about the watch of the night real quick here. Uh the Utah Jazz are playing Paulo's enemy, the Denver Nuggets. The sleeping giant versus Paulo's enemy. <laughs> there you go. Wow. This is me versus Paulo. Let's put us on the, the boxing go. card. I uh, know that I think this is an interesting one, especially with the Denver Nuggets coming off of that uh that win against the Thunder the other night. Seems like that's the type of win they need to like kind of get the energy back that they had going for them this season. Yeah. Nobody believes in momentum, <laughs> but no. like <laughs> Definitely if, not. if it did exist, it would carry it over into this game. And you could watch that at 7.30 p.m. Pacific on TNT tonight. And remember, if you want to watch every NBA game, subscribe to NBA League Pass on NBA.com or from your preferred video provider. All right, we're going to get to this last take now. Haley, tell us how much you hate Ben Simmons. It's not true. I don't hate Ben Simmons. Mm -hmm. But I'm Commit fed to up. the take. You're fed up. I'm fed up. Do you think he should... Date. Uh, My take is that he <laughs> no, should through, through, <laughs> through the remainder of the regular season, he should not take any more threes and actually limit his jumpers too. Now let me explain. The two three shots that he's taken this season, he's taken four, but he's taken two legitimate ones. The other two were at the end of the buzzer. And his last season, his first season, he took 11 total, all came at the end of buzzers. Okay. The two that he's taken have been with so much time left on the shot clock, with no defender around him, barely set, just hor like, horrible, like, shot, like, confusing-looking shots. Mm -hmm. You know I mean? Like, technically good looks because nobody's around him. But it's like he's taking them to prove to himself that he can do it. Did you guys see that video of Tony Hawk helping his daughter <laughs> yes, jump? Yeah. Like, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. To drop in drop on like in a on quarter pipe or yeah, something. For the first yeah. time. And she's up there and she's scared. And she doesn't want to do it. And she keeps like lurching her body forward. Like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. But she can't commit. That is literally him shooting threes. It is so weird. Mm -hmm. Both of those threes, he's, he's like gone for it. But only like to kind of after. It's like he's working himself up for it. Dude, that's not natural. <laughs> that's not helping anything. You are not getting acclimated to shooting threes just because once in a blue moon. No, even more rare than a blue moon. Like you are, you of all the possessions in all the quarters and all the games this season, you have taken two legitimate three point shots, and they are bizarre. Haley, why do we fall? <laughs> I no no no. So no, so my take is <laughs> to get back up is, is the answer. <laughs> yes, we need to we need to fall before we learn. But no, but this is what I'm saying. He's not letting himself fall. So if you're not going to mm. do this, if you're not even going to put yourself into it, just wait. Well, here's, wait, I, wait, wait, ah. come on, come on. <laughs> this is my time and my take. <laughs> You're running out of time. All right, let's go. Okay. Do not do it until the playoffs. 
Okay. You're what? Not, you're not doing anything right you just now. Just undermine anyway. your whole take. No, 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 no. Don't. You're not doing it right <laughs> no, 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 no. now. Okay. Don't do it until the playoffs. Like to surprise people. You know how people pull all the time. Like they have like a fun postseason. You weren't expecting this. Guess what? We had this hidden. All of a sudden, he's a confident three point shooter. He still it's probably like a- won't be a good three point shooter because he shot two in his entire career that he wanted to shoot. Surprise, I lost the game. But that's that's still not enough at this point to get acclimated. So this random like shooting and like the jump shooting he's doing, like it's not, the jump shooting is kind of getting him acclimated to like getting a little bit out of the paint. But pull it out in the playoffs. Still probably won't be good, but people won't expect it. It's going to throw it off. And that will be your practice. You'll be surprising people so much that they'll be thrown off. So you'll feel justified in it, even though you're not making them. Because right now what you're doing is embarrassing. Yourself. You're asking Ben Simmons to treat his three-point shot like if it's like a, one of like Sean McVay's like trick plays in the playoffs. Like there, that makes no sense to me. Like what do you, he's not, it's a three-point shot. He's not going to surprise anybody with it. Like it's not like some crazy like new thing. No, but what, this is the thing is that he he, it will surprise people because he doesn't even attempt them right now. He doesn't even try them. Well, he does now. Exactly. So stop totally. <laughs> no, you. I agree with the sentiment that he, he. We should not force him to sort of like take more jump shots because not all jump shots are good, and like he can be so much more impactful by just being who he is. But I do think there's a sense of establishing like, oh, if you give me literally like ten feet of space, I'm going to take that shot, and that's going to eventually sort of build up to this thing where he... But Paolo, that is so not what's happening. That's not what... Ha- he's not taking these shots as a response to the space that he's being given. I'm just saying this is a start. Taking he's, them he's is given, important. It's the first step. It's like admitting. So it's like admitting often. your problem. No, but what I'm saying is take them, but wait and take them in the playoffs. That's so... I, that makes no sense. And so that will be it for group chat for Paolo Bradley. <laughs> we'll see you next week. <laughs> Basketball is very good. Basketball is very good.